You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right, I'm here. Aaron is here. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for Windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Scott Van Pelt on the show today. Andy Polin will join us as well. It's championship weekend, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. I've got some thoughts on the Redskins as well. Smell tests coming up later on. Uh, also, but how about those Wizards? Little afternoon game yesterday, and unbelievable. They were getting their ass kicked, and I, uh, I was in and out of of paying attention to the game, and then I had it on Aaron, and I was home, and I heard Bucks. You know, I think I think Porter hit a big shot, and Buck goes Porter with a big shot, and I look up, and it's like, whoa, they're only down four, because they were down uh, going into that fourth quarter. Uh, they were down, I think, 13, somewhere they, around there. They were down 19 or 21 at yeah. one point in the game. Uh, came back, um, won the game. Uh, the, the final few minutes were, were interesting. Um, Beal's really, you know, he's playing at a very high level. I can't, I can't be overly critical of him, but he had a terrible, terrible turnover um, in the game uh, late. Uh, basically, it carried the ball, double dribbled the ball. Um, I, I've always said this about Beal. I said this when he came out of Florida when they picked him, that he he just he's always had I think a very inconsistent at best handle. I think he's able to create his own shot. That's obvious. Um, he's got great range now. He, that 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 step back has really worked for him in the mid range too. Um, but he is prone to some bad turnovers. Um, at the wrong time, and I thought he had a deadly turnover there with about a minute to go in the game. Uh, the Knicks ended up taking the lead late, and then the Wizards had one opportunity uh, in the game. They were down one. There was about a three-second shot clock differential, uh, and I-, I was actually surprised that they didn't foul. Um, it was 100 to 99 Knicks. Uh, after Noah Vonleh uh, made an easy shot right at the rim in, in a, a post-up ISO. And there's there's a, about a three second shot clock differential. I, I really thought that the I, I thought that the Wizards would foul there. They didn't, and they got the stop uh, that they needed. They got the stop after you know Beal missed a shot after the Vonley shot. Beal missed a a pull up in transition. It was a quick shot, and it was a two for one I guess opportunity. I don't know if that's what he was thinking, but it was a transition three you know off of a made bucket on the other end. He missed that, and then that created the three second shot clock differential. Um, and they ended up uh, and they ended up getting unfortunately the least amount of time possible because. The Knicks missed a shot. Then there was an offensive team rebound, and the shot was an air ball. So they the the it was a shot clock turnover. So the Wizards got it with 3.3 seconds left. They had the timeout. They advanced it, and then it was a really nice play. I mean, they had Beal in the backcourt. Um, Beal got the ball. Uh, you know, Ariza was sitting there for, for, as a screener, and then you know, came, here came the double, and he dumped it off to Thomas Bryant, who drove the rim, drove to the rim, and his floater with with you know, basically would have gone in or missed at the buzzer, but it got goaltended with .4 left, and the Wizards had the lead, one hundred one to a hundred. Um, the Knicks uh, had a a, a long shot. Um, a, a long two at the buzzer that missed badly, and the Wizards survived 101 to 100. And, you know, I had a couple people um, who have, 
I guess a three o'clock in the afternoon game might be a little bit easier sometimes for people to watch for whatever reason. I think people were watching this game in London and it was a hell of a crowd too. Um, you saw that, that place, yeah. that O2 arena was packed. Um, but you know, I, I, I actually get the sense, not from most of you, but for, for those of you that follow the wizards and follow the NBA, this is a more enjoyable team to watch. They they do play together. There are more touches. There are more people involved. On the floor to end that game last night was their backup point guard, um, uh, Chase, uh, Chase, uh, Chase Randall. All right, Randall's a, a one-year guy out of Stanford who came in, I don't know, four or five weeks ago and has played well for them uh, as the backup point guard. I, I want to say he got to the team in – when did he get to the team? Because I, I, he didn't start to play until late December. It was really late December when he started to play. Yeah, here it is. The first game he played in for the Wizards was December 18th. He got 16 minutes at Atlanta in a loss. And he's essentially averaged 16 minutes a game since. Uh, he's averaging you know right around six points a game. Um, he is the, the the backup to Sadoransky. And at the end of that game, he was in there. Sam Decker was in there. Uh, Otto Porter, who had a hell of a game off the bench, was in there. Uh, Beal was in there. And Bryant was in there. I think that's the lineup. I, although Ariza had to be in the game. Ari- so it was Ariza, Bryant, Beal, Randall and Decker? No, because Porter had to be on the floor. Maybe Decker came out on that final possession. But down the stretch, Decker was in the game a lot. Randall was in the game a lot. Um, Beal ended up with 26. Uh, seven turnovers for Beal. That's that's his Achilles heel. He doesn't have a great handle. He gets lackadaisical and checks out every once in like, I always refer to it as far too casual. Um, but he is putting up some numbers right now, and I think he is earning an all-star ad uh, by by the coach, whoever it is in the Eastern Conference. I haven't even been following that. Otto Porter was great up the bench, and the Wizards now have won, I believe it's six of nine. Um, I think they've won six of their last nine games, and you know one of those losses was a very close loss Sunday in double overtime to Toronto. Um, they beat the Bucks. Now they beat the Bucks without... Uh, the Greek freak. They beat the 76ers in the in that back-to-back, the second of the back-to-back. They beat the Thunder on the road, which was the most shocking of those wins. Um, and, you know, th- they've beaten some bad teams too, like the Knicks, like the Hawks uh, as well. Um, but they are sitting there. Uh, you know, I'm starting to feel myself go far too long on the Wizards <laughs> because I, my intention was just to mention it. Um, but anyway, they're sitting there right now two and a half games out of the eighth spot. All right, and three and a half out of the sixth spot. They're going to contend the rest of the year for one of those last three playoff spots. They may make it, they may not. If they get there, they probably can't win a series with this group. But then again, you know, if they ended up being the seven or the six seed, they could play Indiana in the first round. Who knows? All right, uh, look, it's championship weekend. Um, two championship games on Sunday, then the Super Bowl. We've only got three football games left. In this NFL season. Four if you count the Pro Bowl. I don't count the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Nor should you. I never count the Pro Bowl. Um, I, I ch- Championship weekend is not my favorite. Uh, I'm glad that there are two games instead of waiting two weeks for one. 
Um, it, to me, it almost ends the you know the run of we've had football every single weekend since I think early August. Um, we've had football, and you next weekend, unless you count the Pro Bowl, uh, you won't have real football. But the NFC Championship game uh, kicks off Sunday at three o five. It's the Rams and the Saints, two thirteen and three regular season teams. They played November 4th in New Orleans. Remember that game. The Rams, if you recall, were 8-0 and at the time. They went into that game as the favorite. They were one-and-a-half-point favorites in New Orleans in the Superdome against the Saints, who were 6-1 and at the time. But the feeling, if you recall, was really that the Rams were the best team in the league You know, at that point. The Rams and the Chiefs. And and the Saints were were coming. I mean, they had had some impressive performances, but they had also opened up the season, uh, giving up 48 to the Buccaneers at home in a 48-40 loss. So the Rams at that point were really the juggernaut in the NFC. And all of a sudden, the Saints jumped out to a 35-14 first-half lead. Rams came back, tied that game up early in the fourth quarter, at, the fourth quarter at 35 apiece before the Saints scored the final 10 points to win it 45 to 35. That game is the difference of venues on Sunday. Um, it's in New Orleans because the Saints won that game on November 4th. It would have been in the Coliseum had the Rams won that game on November 4th. The Superdome is the spot. You know, the Saints have only hosted in their history one other NFC championship game in that building. And that came in 2009, the 2009 season, January of 2010, when they beat Brett Favre and the Vikings 31 to 28 in overtime and went on to the Super Bowl to beat the Colts. The Rams haven't played in a conference championship game since the greatest show on turf Rams in 2001. They beat the Eagles that day in St. Louis and lost two weeks later to Tom Brady and the Patriots as they won their first Super Bowl in the Belichick-Brady era. Uh, The Saints were pushed more than the Rams were last weekend. They were in trouble late. You know, the Eagles were on the move down 20-14 to when Alshon Jeffrey dropped that first down throw uh, right at the two-minute warning. A snap, I don't know why Philadelphia took, um, but that's beside the point. Went right through his hands, was picked off, game over. 20-14, to the Saints move on in that game, but they were tested. And really, they were tested a lot down the stretch of this season. Um, the, the Saints after that big win over the Rams and had a couple of other big wins too, like, you know, when they crushed uh, Philadelphia 48-7. to um, But they lost games to the Cowboys. They were in a battle with the Buccaneers, a battle with the Panthers and the Steelers, you know, late. And then, you know, that final game of the year, they didn't play anybody. Um, but th- this is a team that isn't the same team that the Rams faced, you know, when they first played them. Uh, that was a Saints team that was scoring 40 to 50 a game, basically. You know, they scored 45 against the Rams, 51 against Cincinnati the following week, and 48 against the Eagles the week after that. You know, that was a hell of a three-week stretch for the Saints. 45, 51, and 48. Then they beat Atlanta 31 to 17. That was Thanksgiving night, if you recall that game. And since then, they haven't been the same team. And that includes the playoff game, where they were in trouble to the Eagles, a team they had beaten 48-7. They were down 14-0 in that game last weekend. They were you know, on the field on defense as Philadelphia was driving for the go-ahead touchdown late. They've struggled more to score offensively. Their defense has actually stepped up and really given them 
you know, a, a bona fide, you know, defensive, you know, opportunity here because early in the season, I didn't think the Saints were going to be very good defensively again. Uh, but this is a team that hasn't played as well as they did earlier in the season. And the same can be said really for the Rams. You know, the Rams started off, you know, winning those eight games in a row. And even after they lost the Saints, their next three games, 36-31 over the Seahawks, that famous 54-51 Monday night win over the Chiefs. They beat the Lions on Thanksgiving Day. And then all of a sudden, you saw what would happen. And you saw what did happen when they were faced with pretty good defensive teams. They lost to the Bears at Soldier Field 15-6. Lost to the Eagles in that Sunday night game. Remember, that got the Eagles jump-started a little bit towards the late season run. They finished with the Cardinals and the Niners. Now, they were impressive last week. They were impressive last week. They ran it down Dallas's throat. Two 100-yard performances on the ground from C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley. 273 yards in total en route to their 30-22 win over Dallas. So here they are, the top two seeds, the two highest scoring teams in the NFC, the two teams with the biggest score differential in the NFC. The Saints are favored by three and a half. The AFC Championship game kicks off at 640 Eastern at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. The Chiefs have never hosted an AFC title game. The Patriots, they're just appearing in their eighth straight and their 13th conference championship game during the Brady-Belichick era. 13 championship games during their dynasty. Sunday will be the sixth championship game that they've played on the road during the Brady-Belichick era. Their record in the first five that they've played on the road, two and three on the road. Uh, The two wins were in Pittsburgh, and they had two losses in Denver and one loss in Indianapolis. The Chiefs were 5-0. Remember this one? When they went to Foxborough on October 14th to face the 3-2 Patriots, the Patriots jumped out to a 24-9 first-half lead. That was a Sunday night game. And here came came Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and company roaring back to take the lead 33-30 in the fourth quarter. But Brady put them on their back, drove them 65 yards in seven plays. That set up the walk-off game winner, and the Patriots won it 43-40. So how about that? 43-40 rematch in the AFC title game. And in the NFC title game, you had a 45-35 game in November and those two teams facing off. The four highest scoring teams in the NFL. The four highest scoring differential teams in the NFL. The Chiefs last week, they won easily, hammering a red-hot Indianapolis team 31-13, and the Patriots routed the Chargers. Whatever the final score was, it was not reflective of how one-sided it was. What was it? 41-28, I think, something like that, because Phillip Rivers put up a bunch of points in the fourth quarter. So here they are, the top two seeds in the AFC. The weather's going to be cold, but not as brutally cold as forecasted earlier in the week. 19 degrees at kickoff and dry is the forecast as of this morning, Friday morning. Brady said last week after the win over the Chargers, everyone thinks we suck and we can't win any games. We'll see. It'll be fun, he said. Brady is 24-4. and in career games played in 30 degrees or less. The Chiefs are three-point favorites. Smell test later on in the show. 
Uh, we'll get to Scott Van Pelt right after uh, a quick word about Window Nation. Harley, Aaron, and Eric at Window Nation are big fans of the show. I want you to be big fans of them. I, I want you to at least give them a shot if you're thinking about new windows. Have you ever watched HGTV for home remodeling inspiration? Maybe you've attended a home show or two to brainstorm with local contractors. Well, if you've got no time for home shows this season, Window Nation wants to bring the home show savings right to your door all this month. If you call them today and mention home show promo, you'll get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. There is no limit. Plus, for a limited time only, you'll get 0% financing for 18 months. Call today and get educated on the newest models, the latest innovations demonstrated right in the comfort of your own home, absolutely free. You'll get factory incentives, plus once-a-year home show discounts from the company that has installed 450,000 windows in more than 80,000 homes, including mine. Get two free windows for every two you buy, plus 0% financing. Call Window Nation at 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and tell them that I told you to call. All right, Scott Van Pelt's coming up here shortly. We'll get to the smell test a little bit later on uh, as well. So championship weekend. Do you know how long it's been since the Redskins participated in championship weekend? Quite a while. 27 years. 27 years since the Redskins beat the Lions 41-10 to to claim their last NFC title and a berth in Super Bowl twenty six which would come two weeks later and they would beat the, the, the Buffalo Bills for their last title. But 27 years since their last NFC championship game, every single team in the NFC, with the exception of the two teams that played in the 91 NFC championship game, it was January of 92, but the 91 season, the Lions and the Redskins, they're the only two NFC teams who have not played in an NFC championship game since 1991. That's amazing. Every other NFC team has not only played one, but have played at least one NFC championship game. That is unbelievable. Uh, it's an unbelievable run of futility. An absolute unbelievable run of futility. Especially when you consider what I just said, too. The fact that it's not just that the Redskins haven't played in a conference championship since that particular year. They are the, the they and they and the Lions being the only two. Every other team in the NFC's played more than one. The Cardinals have played in two NFC championship games since 1991. The Buccaneers have played in two conference championship games since 1991. It is quite the run of futility for the Redskins. They they were close a couple of times during this 27-year uh, drought. They were close. They played a divisional playoff game the year after in January of 1993 following the 1992 season at Candlestick against the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers were the one seed. The Redskins had won the wild card game the week before in Minnesota. And the Redskins had the 49ers in a bit of trouble late fourth quarter in the slop at Candlestick, down 17-13, and Mark Rippon hands the ball off to Brian Mitchell, and there is a gaping hole for a 20-17 to Redskin lead late in the fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter. And they botched the handoff, 
ball on the ground. 49ers recover. They go down, kick a field goal. The Redskins got the ball one more time. They couldn't tie the game. They lost 20-13. to That was close to another NFC Championship game. By the way, the following week was San Francisco hosting Dallas, and that was the first Jimmy Johnson Super Bowl. The Redskins, had they beaten the 49ers, in that particular divisional playoff game. As the defending champions, the Redskins were that year, they would have gone to Dallas for the NFC title game. The Redskins and the Cowboys have played twice in the postseason, both in NFC championship games, both of them in Washington. That was the closest they've ever been to playing a conference championship game in Dallas. They've had other opportunities where they've both been in divisional games and Dallas would have had the home field advantage, but the Redskins lost in the divisional round. The 1999 season, it was a good football team that North Turner coached and Brad Johnson quarterbacked and they uh, they won a wild card game and they went to Tampa. Tampa wasn't all that good and the Redskins led 13 to nothing. Uh, in the uh, at halftime, Brian Mitchell had a kickoff return for a touchdown to start uh, the second half. So they led thirteen nothing. I'm sorry, early third quarter, and then uh, they lost the game fourteen to thirteen. Had a chance at a field goal late, um, but uh, Matt Turk and uh, and brother uh, screwed up snap and hold, and we never got a chance to see a potential game-winning field goal. The Redskins lost that game 14-13. Tampa went to St. Louis the following week, lost to the Rams in the NFC title game. So the Redskins were close to playing uh, those. uh, That was the first Ram team. That was the first Kurt Warner team that ended up winning the Super Bowl. They had a chance to play them in the NFC Championship game. And the other time that they were close, the only other time that they'd been in a divisional playoff game, uh, in the 2000s was in 2005 when they beat Tampa in a wild card game and had Seattle in trouble a little bit early. You know, they were up 3 nothing. They were stopping them. Uh, LeVar had knocked out Sean Alexander, and Carlos Rogers had a pick six right in his hands from Matt Hasselbeck and, and dropped it. He seemed to drop all those uh, interceptions, but that would have given the Redskins a 10 nothing lead, and they would have potentially had an opportunity that particular year. Uh, to play, uh, to go to Carolina, I think was the following week. Carolina and Seattle played in that NFC title game uh, for a chance to go to a Super Bowl. They, they just haven't had many chances, period. They just haven't. It's January 18th, and nothing of note has happened. Nothing. And, and it looks like it won't. You know, despite the demands from what's left of the fan base for major change, and the look of a team and an organization that needed major changes, I am surprised. Those of you that have listened to this podcast all year long and late in the season and shortly after the season, you know I'm surprised. I thought that Jay was going to be gone if they didn't make the playoffs. And, you know, up until early December, I really felt like Jay was going to go. And then towards the middle of December and the end of December, you know, I started to figure out that he wasn't going to go. I still, up until a week ago, it was a week ago today, right, Aaron, that we had the news about Bruce Allen uh, staying put, that he wasn't going anywhere. I still was thinking that there was a chance that he would at least be reassigned somewhere else in the organization, and Kyle Smith and or Eric Schaefer would be elevated. I'm I'm shocked that there hasn't been change. Stunning to me that Are the owner... Are you really shocked, though? Yeah. yeah even the, with this team, even with this owner, you're shocked? 
Yeah, I am. Disappointed, yes, but shocked. Yeah, well, you know I am because I said it. I was convinced, and I and each time I said it, I said, I know this is a contrarian view. I know that this is going against the grain, uh, but I really thought Dan was going to look at that crowd, look at these TV numbers, and just say, he's got to go. He's got to go. My consumers want him out. They're not buying my product anymore. And it's part it's it, it's partly on me, okay? Because he'll never take all of it. Uh, but I got to get him out. But he has stood pat. He stood pat. I, I really believe. I do believe this. I do believe that Dan thought about very seriously some changes. I, I think he seriously thought about you know Gruden at the very least. But here's what I've come to the realization about, and that is he's got nobody to turn to. Bruce is his security blanket. Jay is Bruce's guy. Nobody wants to work for Bruce, but nobody wants to replace him either. That is what you call a quandary. That is a, what do we do next? Nobody wants to work for Bruce, but nobody wants to replace him either. We're stuck. I don't know how how I uh, will feel come September, I don't think personnel is going to change things much. They don't seem to do free agency very well. The draft can help, but the only thing that would really make a difference is if they lucked into a transcendent talent at quarterback. You know, another Patrick Mahomes. You know, if they got Daniel Jones or Drew, uh, you know, or, 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 or Locke or Will Greer, and one of them turned into Mahomes. You know, and let's face it, knowing the way they evaluate talent, they'd really have to luck into it. That's the wild card, really, in all of this. It's not free agency. It's not a new coach. It's not a new GM. The wild card right now is it's, it's, it's getting lucky, like generational luck at the quarterback position. And it could happen because the NFL's not taking away their picks. They're going to allow them to make picks, and they could close their eyes and throw a dart, and it could land on Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones could end up being the next great quarterback. Who knows? I mean, I like the Missouri quarterback. I, more than any of the others not named uh, Kyler Murray or Haskins. And I'm not a massive Haskins fan. I, I've got a lot of work to do here. We all do as fans in, in watching more of this quarterback stuff and and seeing some of these guys. I watched a lot of them play in college. I think everybody saw a lot of Kyler Murray and a lot of Dwayne Haskins. Most of you did not see much of Locke or Greer or uh, Daniel Jones. Most of you did not. Um, but that's really, that's the that's the only wild card I can think of. You know, it's not a great corner. It's not a great offensive lineman. I guess a great pass rusher would be a really good thing. You know, if they were to add a Von Miller or a J.J. Watt, that would help. I don't think it's going to overcome more likely than not an average coaching situation and a dysfunctional front office. You know, next year right now has another 7-9, and 6-10 kind of look. You can never tell, you know, this much in advance. You can never tell eight weeks into the season. But you know that saying, you can never tell, you never know? It seems to apply to other teams in the league. Not this one. The old, you know, the the old, hey, maybe it's us this year. Yeah, but it never is them this year. It's 
It, and it's not bad luck, and it's not coincidence. It starts at the top. It's just amazing to me that, that, that it's still status quo. It may be the worst status quo ever because it seems like it's going to be hard for the owner to shake it this time. How do you change the current if nobody wants to work for you in the future? That is a real difficult uh, situation they are in. And that's why I have dubbed this the new rock bottom. It can go lower. We've seen it before, but it feels like it right now. We've got two great football games, though, this weekend as football fans to watch. Uh, Van Pelt coming up, smell test coming up as well. Quick word about Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. If you are thinking about something new, a Chrysler, a Dodge, a Jeep, a Subaru, um, consider Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. Ralph Perkins is the GM. He's in the store every day. If you head out there, they're right there in the heart of Fairfax. Ask for Ralph. He'll come out. He'll say hello to you. He'll put you in touch with their best salesperson. Their sales team's experience, most of their reps have been there for 20 years, and their service department is the best. Now, I talked to Ralph the other day. Uh, They're trying to get rid of all this inventory that they've got on their lot. Best rebates of the year on the Jeep Cherokee, the Jeep Grand Cherokee, and the Jeep Wrangler. Same goes for the Ram pickup. Um, You'll have your choice of any of these vehicles. They've got a ton of inventory. You'll find, likely find the make, model, and color and be able to drive it off the lot that day. They're located, as I mentioned, in Fairfax Circle. You can go to farishcars.com right now to find out everything Farish has, including live inventory, live pricing, and their best deals. All right, let's bring in Scott Van Pelt uh, for his weekly visit. Missed him yesterday, um, but he is here with us. Uh, as we head into championship weekend, we'll talk some Terps uh, with Scott as well. Um, these two conference championship games, they are, we had a conversation you and I did on this podcast, I think in late November, and we both talked about, you know, the overreaction is, I, you know, sort of the way we describe the overreaction to all of the offensive football, the offensive explosion. Yet here we are with the four highest scoring teams in the NFL. Uh, in a long, long time. Um, Did offense ultimately win this year? Well, I mean, I guess it did. It'd be hard to argue. I mean, I think, let me back up from that question for just one one overarching thought. These, These four teams, you could argue, throughout the balance of the year were the four best teams or among them. I mean, New England definitely is is less overpowering than they've been, lost five games all in a row, blah, blah, blah. But still, if you're talking about in, in, in Thanksgiving, if you said who are, who are the five best teams, would, would these four have been on it? Probably. Um, now, New England's offense, excuse me, New Orleans' offense last week scored them 20 points. So, you know, did they win because they rolled? Not really. Uh, Kansas City scored a bunch in, this, in, in, in sloppy conditions. That was a big number. Uh, the Rams, I guess, got to a decent-sized number. But – Put it this way, we saw 80 points in the game between uh, New Orleans and L.A. in the regular season. We saw 83 in the game between New England and New Orleans, and both totals are 57. So, I mean, I think offense is one, but they're not going to 
hang numbers at that level. Those are not, still those are those are big numbers, though. I mean, you're you're not going to get a, a seventy in an NFL game. I mean, we've never seen that. I think we've seen right. sixty something. Yeah, that, I guess you're. I guess you're right. I don't. I don't feel like I'm doing a really good job articulating my thoughts. <laughs> it's, anyway. it's okay. I, just, I, I, I I'm just. I feel like I'm just rambling, and, and mostly what I'm saying is, yeah, the, these these teams have been really good, mostly because their offenses are really good. But I don't think we're going to see them score the way they did when they met the first time. I guess that's all I'm really trying to say. I, I, I mean, I, I was curious as to what your answer was because I talked about Monday, you know, I, uh, admitting that, hey, I was wrong. The best defensive teams in the league didn't get to this spot. You know, Baltimore, Chicago, Dallas. Um, New Orleans has been a pretty good defensive team, and the Rams really stepped up. But what was interesting about the four games last weekend is that the four winners all ran the football. You know, they it wasn't, you know, there were some point totals. The Patriots rolled up some some points, no doubt, but yeah. the Saints didn't. And, you know, the Rams, they they had 30 and the Chiefs had 31, but it wasn't what we saw in the middle of the year. These teams ran you know the, the Rams. You know the Rams ran the ball more in that game than in any game they've had under McVay? 48 times to 28 throws. That's the most they've ever run run the the ball in any game under McVay. Now the question is, can you do that again? Look, and I think part of this I think part of this is against these really good offenses. If you're Belichick, what do you want to do? Possess the ball so Mahomes can't touch it. If I'm the Rams, I want to do the exact same thing against the Saints in that building. I don't want to let them have it and avalanche me. I mean, it makes sense. If I've got it, you don't. What was really, you know, McVeigh really is really good. I mean, he is. He's so clever. I, I don't know if you read about the tell that some of the Dallas defensive linemen had with yep. respect to yep. stunt or no stunt. Um, and they, they essentially took what Dallas did best and said, we're going to go after your strength and run it right down your throat. Dallas has been a phenomenal defensive football team, you know, and, and I, I really, I thought that their performance against the Saints was one of the best performances I saw all, all season long on that Thursday night game. And the, ran, the Rams ran it for 273 and two and had two 100-yard rushers, one of them who looks like he's about 50 pounds overweight, C.J. Anderson. Yeah, but he's got the freshest legs in the NFL, according to him, which is actually, I mean, it's an amazing story. He got, you know, he got, well, he got cut by the Panthers, didn't he? And it's, you know, know, here he is, you know, people, you know, he got, he's on like his third team in a year, which uh, I, I just, I love the story. I mean, I thought that last game where he had the big numbers is like, oh, okay, this is just the last weekend of the year kind of deal. It's a nice thing. Well, then, you know, he's toting the mail in the freaking playoff game. I'm, you know all these numbers about Brady and Belichick, and this is the eighth straight championship game. It's the thirteenth conference championship game they've played in. I mean, it's just, it's really, it, it's a true dynasty. I mean, we've lived through this, yep. this incredible dynasty in an era that wasn't, you know, wasn't supposed to produce it. You know, the 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 league is designed for parity. It's not designed for a dynasty, and yet we've had it. And we've actually had multiple organizations that have been dominant, but none like the Patriots. Um, do you subscribe to the theory that if they had been in any other division than the AFC East that we would have never seen these results? Uh, these results meaning this level of a dynasty, I do. I, I think that's accurate. Uh, but I, I don't think it, it explains it entirely. I mean, 
look, when you live on the same block as the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins, you clearly benefit from playing six games that you're favored in every single year, right? We agree with that. Yep. I don't know how you'd argue that. But to, su- to suggest that that explains entirely what we've seen, I think, is insulting to New England. They've, they're great because they're great. They also, to ignore that they benefit from the division they play in, would be ridiculous, too. But, you know, you mentioned the numbers, Kevin. To me, of all the numbers, my favorite is this. Brady's played more Super Bowls than had road playoff games in his career. (laughs) More Super Bowls than than road playoff games. That's insane. Eight Super Bowls, seven road playoff games, right? That's it. Those are the numbers. Three and four, uh, I think he is on the road in in the postseason. And, uh, and and that's that's the, that's the, the the talking point that I that I'm having a hard time with. Like I get trying to create uh, uh, something to rub up against, you know, something to make you mad. But like this whole idea that they've been talked about, like as if they're you know the Cleveland Browns or something. Like what are you even talking about? Yeah. You're you're an underdog on the road because you haven't won a road playoff game in a million years, and you played this team at home earlier this year and you beat them by three. I mean, it's a, it's essentially a coin flip game. But this whole like bet against this thing. Well, I mean, come on. Well, in one, in one week we got little old Clemson and little old New England. Right, right. The, well, exactly. Well put. But, yeah, but I mean, I mean, Clemson, Clemson's newish, newish. New England's been at it for in this, this entire century, and they're they're trying to act like we're like as if there's not shrines in the media built to to Brady and what they've done because they've earned it. They've earned that level of respect. I just I just find all of this angst really uh, manufactured is is Hartford I don't know if I've ever asked you this question is Hart, Hartford's considered New England right uh-huh so you've for many many years you've lived in you know not in Boston um but just a couple of hours away from it and you've probably dealt with a lot of Patriot fans over the years where you live for sure are they sick of it like, at what point is it It becomes so routine that it becomes dull? Oh, it's not that. There's, a, there's an arrogance about them, and there's an anger, you know? There's that, because they, they're, they um, you know, the, 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 the spy gate thing, and, and I hate that, that using that, that prefix or suffix or whatever the hell, whatever it is when you put gate on the end of something. Uh, but the, the and then there was the thing with the footballs and the NFL going after them for the ad. So they they you know they they think the league is against them and they think I don't yeah. know they 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 still despite all the success manage to be super pissed off and hostile, which I kind of appreciate about them. Right. Um. It's just it's kind of the whole cliche of of you know the, the quote unquote mass hole or if you want to call them. I don't know if I'm allowed to say on your podcast. I sure you are. Okay, well, th- there's just like if if you think of the idea of Sully and some you know angry guy, that that's them. Let me hear how he uh, would say it. Oh, you know, talking about friggin' Brady and you know the, the yeah. Hey, deflate these balls, okay, <laughs> Roger? How about that? I got your deflated balls over here. <laughs> you know, you get that's a joke about my nuts. All right. Uh, the but um... I mean, it's just it, at some point. You know, you guys are always great. It's a little bit like Alabama, I think. You know, where you just you're always good. You're never not good. Um, but no, they haven't ever grown weary of it, and they're and they ma- they manage to. And I, I think that the team is is you know creating some of that this week with you know oh people counted us out this and that. And look, people definitely said they weren't as good because they weren't as good. 
but I don't feel like it's 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 accurate to pretend like people said they stunk because I don't know who did that. You know, I, I think that they there is uh, there's something interesting and and somewhat unique about this particular game. If you're a fan of the team, it's like you know what, let's go on the road. We haven't won on the road in a while. They're, the last opportunities they've had on the road in the postseason, they lost to Denver. Denver. Uh, they lost to yeah. Denver, and they lost to Indy. I think it is on on the road. Um, and their I, la- I think both the last two losses were Denver. I, I believe right. The last two were Denver, and, and the and the previous road game that they had played in the postseason was Indy. They have not uh-huh. won a road playoff game. I don't believe. Hold on, I, I just I think this is right. They haven't won a road playoff game. Oh, they beat the Chargers in 2006. 2000, you know, yeah. Yeah, so the they ha- was, haven't won a road playoff game. Is, so, yeah. so that is something new to get ginned up about, you know, to right. go into Arrowhead. They, the Chiefs have never hosted an AFC title game. They're all excited. Um, I, I mean, I, it's, such a, it's such a bad comparison, but we did have our run you know, and you and I are old enough to remember the run, and sure. there there was a certain feeling that once old Coach Joe got into got into the playoffs, we were going to win. He was going to figure it out, especially on the road. You know, and that was always, I think, some of the most thrilling wins rooting for a team is when they win a postseason game on the road. No doubt, going into Philly after the body bag game that year, one of my favorite games against- in franchise history. Running it down their throat, and just that they and everyone in Philly was waiting for a fight. And then it's like that scene in a Bronx tale where they lock the door, and it's like, now you just can't leave. <laughs> now you just can't and, leave. And it, was, and it was the Redskins just hammering them in that building, which was the best. Those, those, those are the best for sure. And I mean, look, to New England's uh, credit, they've earned the right to very rarely have to play on the road. Because they're the gold standard. Because of the division they play in, too. That that has a lot to do with it. Look, there's no again, there's no denying that. But it's you know they're part and parcel. I mean, they're much better than their people they play, uh, and they don't play people that are mostly capable of beating them. So, I mean, I don't know. It's it's a fascinating game just because you know you're going up against a guy in Mahomes who had who has not had one bad game this year. They haven't as a team had one bad game this year. There have been moments they did, they looked ordinary, but in every game, even when they've been down double digits, he has given them a chance to come back and be close, have a chance to take the lead, whatever. He did it against New England on the road. So, I mean, this game is – this isn't a torch-passing moment, I don't think, but it is really wild how both games have 40-year-old quarterbacks against you know young 20s, and they will be the guys of the future. And, and you know, I don't know if they'll be the guys of the present, but they're clearly they will be the guys – in the next five years in a league that will have to try to take over the mantle. Yeah, you made that point last week going into the in, into the playoff weekend. The Kansas City, you know, even even their losses, they 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 were right there with a chance to win all of them, which was true. It's the truth, and yeah. uh, and they're the ones that haven't really taken one on the chin yet uh, this year. Um, you know, from a a betting standpoint, it's three and a half. It's three. There's not really a sizable public play on any of this right now, including the totals. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, the totals are fairly split. I mean, I, I have, I have a couple of thoughts. I haven't given out my smell test yet. I know who I like just, I like the two underdogs personally. I think both underdogs have a chance to go in and win both road teams, the Rams and the Patriots, but they're not major anti-public plays. Do you have a sense about that or not? 
Yeah, I don't think – I mean, you and I like sides based on who the other side, you know, who, who's the side to have, right? In this, in this case, I, I look at it really simply. When it comes to the New England game, to me, you just take them on the money line because when it's over, if they win, you're going to feel like an idiot that you didn't have them. Yeah, That's I, it. I mean, I, I, I guess, I guess I, I like I, all year long. I've said no on Kansas city all year long. I've said they're, they're not going to be in the super bowl. You cannot play in a super bowl with a defense that bad. And they really played a good game last week. Although I thought Andrew Luck looked ill. I thought he looked cold and slow and just completely off in that game. Didn't look right. anything like. We've seen Andrew look. I, I was at I was at Disney on Ice, so I'm I'm yeah, really know. prepared to speak about that game. I don't really have much to help you with there. Scott is <laughs> as old as he is, and and he's he's a rather older gentleman. Um, he's got very young kids, and yeah. you know now we're going through what you know we used to go through when my kids were young, and you would say, "What do you mean yeah. you're at Disney on Ice? It, it's it's well, it's Maryland, uh, it's Maryland, Virginia. What are you doing?" Yeah. And I'd be like, "I'm at Disney well, on Ice." That's and that's where doing. you were during the playoff yep. games. I sure was. Yeah. I sure was. And I and it was a magical spectacle. What goes around comes around. All right. Uh, what uh-huh. about the ter- what about the Terps tonight? It's the it's the scary game. Just it's the uh, I saw Ohio State like two, which the number's not bad. Um, so that's you know hooray for that if if you care and you and I both do. But this this Ohio State team's lost three in a row they've had all week off they're at home I mean it's it's the human nature game like they'll they'll be the angry uh guy in the fight and that's always the scariest guy but I'll say this how many guys on Ohio State's team are better than uh, the best guys on Maryland's team not not none I I, they're right they're not that impressive I'm not saying Maryland's going to go there tonight and win um, right. I, I love the point spread. I love the line at two, and the public's going to play Ohio State. But they were playing, you know, they're playing uh, Michigan State last night, and Michigan State handled Nebraska and covered in that game. Um, Correct. And I'm glad. But, and but I'm gl- an ex- he's an excellent coach. He's an excellent coach. Yes, he is. And, there are a couple of very they, good young coaches in in the Big Ten. I think I think Archie I think, Miller is going to win big at Indiana. I do too. But everybody in Indiana is all mad and freaked oh, out. Oh, the they're, they're they're so impatient. I couldn't agree more. I mean, they were they were patient with Crean because they knew that he inherited a mess. But they're everybody in Indiana is all freaked out about that. But they need to calm down because Archie's a good coach. But I'm I think Holman's as good a young coach as there is in the league. And uh, I just look I you and I had this talk before the Wisconsin game about like the point spread and being a little bit concerned about it. And you're like, you know what the hell with it? We're, Maryland's better. We'll beat them. And when Maryland's up twenty, I'm like, yeah, look at Sheehan. He was right. And then it was six fifty-nine <laughs> them, and I wanted to, and I wanted to poop in my pants. It, I was that was so gross. But you know what? Thank God they won. And uh, you know, this is a tough spot. This is if they put this. I hope they win just because it means Monday they'd go there ranked really high against the Michigan State team that's rolling, which would be a blast. But even if they don't, it's still going to be a fun game in, in East Lansing. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm trying to think. Has anybody lost this week in front of Michigan State? Well, Duke could potentially lose on Saturday night. I don't know if, I don't know if Michigan State would jump Duke or, or not. Uh, that game... No, I mean, it'll be top five, probably. Yeah, Michigan, uh, Michigan State should probably be top five, I would think. That Virginia-Duke game, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching on Saturday night. Um, yeah, I like I like Maryland. I, you know, we, we've sort of gradually gotten into this conversation, and I think it was last week I said to you, I, I, I'm going to be disappointed if they're not in the second weekend of this tournament, because I think their talent says... That they're a top, you know, ten to, to fifteen team, 
in the country. And I think in the last week, I think people are starting to notice. So, uh, Lenardi's bracketology's got him as a four seed. You know, I think- I, I agree, but 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 I mean, I, listen, we agree, but but also keep in mind that you know the Indiana, Nebraska, Wisconsin wins are all home wins, and the back end of the schedule means trips to. Uh, you know, Nebraska and, and places that are going to be hard to win. I mean, but they've already got a couple of road wins. If they can, if they can defend home court, I mean, I, I just four line feels about right. But it's it, you know, it, oh, conference road wins are just really difficult to get. We that's not a new thought. So, well, I mean, we'll see. Ohio State on the road will be a really good win. Uh, was Jalen Hurts close to coming to Maryland or not? Have you heard anything about that? I have absolutely no idea. Uh, I don't. I You're don't not have surprised any... that he went somewhere else, right? Uh, I mean, I didn't say that. Like, I, I think the fact that there was a, a, a relationship uh, allowed people from Maryland, including me, just to presume that maybe he'd want to come play with Locks. But let me just say this: like, he didn't go play at you know Vanderbilt. No disrespect to them. He went to play for a team and an offensive mind in Lincoln Riley that just just had back to back. Uh, Heisman Trophy winners and has been in the playoff two years in a row. I mean, if I'm him and I can go there and start or come to College Park, like I don't care how much you like locks. Like it, it, he made this, he made what on paper is a decision that you could totally understand. So I, I have no idea how close. I mean, he was close enough that he visited, and uh, and I think that allowed people to to connect the dots. But I mean, in the end, um, you know, again, Lincoln Riley back to back Heisman Trophy winners, two playoffs in a row. How about um, how okay. about how about Mickelson yesterday going to eighteen with a chance to shoot fifty nine? Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, he's a he's a you know forty eight year old dude, and and some interesting stats with that. Just if you, I mean, for whatever it's worth, anytime he shot sixty, the other two times he went on to win, and he hadn't played much golf at all. Like he's been out skiing. Right. He won nine million bucks. He's just been out hanging out skiing. He said, "I haven't practiced. Uh, I, I didn't. I wasn't th- thinking I'd be sharp." And then two goes out and shoots sixty. But those, like that, was like playing in a, in a in a dome with just a little bit of rain, which makes the green soft, and you're playing with amateurs. So I mean, like that, it, that's not that, that's a a golf course. It's like playing putt putt for them. But even so, I mean, sixty is sixty. Sixty is sixty. All right, enjoy the games this weekend. I'll talk to you. All right, I enjoy. It. See it real quickly um, before I get to the smell test, and then Andy. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. That really, really does help us. It doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to give any information. But if you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, just subscribe and then review us and rate us too. Um, That really helps as well. Let's get to the smell test. Kevin looks where the John Q. public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for the the smell smell test. test. Okay, um, the smell test uh, last weekend was one and one. I had the Rams laying seven on Saturday, and then I had the Saints laying eight on Sunday, and old Mr. Lutz missed that field goal from 52 yards out for a nine-point lead, and that was a killer. Uh, So one and one, 108, 85, and four. 108, 85, and four on the season. All right, look, there's not an overwhelming public play in the four opportunities. You know, the two totals, the two point spreads. I'm going to give out both unders because that's really where there is, you know, a, a strong public lean on the overs. The The public definitely in, in both of these games is playing 
the over more than they're playing the under. So I'll take the under in the New Orleans Rams game. That line, uh, that number right now is 56 and a half. So I'll go under 56 and a half, and then I'll go under 55 and a half in the AFC championship game. All right. So the two unders are plays. Uh, they're the plays for the weekend. Now, on the point spreads, there is not a strong enough public bias in, in either one of these games to make me give it out as a smell test pick. I, I will I will say this, though. I like both underdogs. I, I'm, I'm going to give out just leans on the Rams plus the three and a half and the Patriots plus the three. I like both underdogs. I think the Patriots are going to win outright. I think the Rams are going to win outright, and I think we're going to have a Rams-Patriots Super Bowl. I would definitely... I, I would guess that we're going to have a road team win. Like, I think one of the road teams is going to win. And if I had to bet on one of them only, it would probably be the Patriots. Just because I've shorted the Chiefs, you know, at my cost most of the year. I don't think that they're good enough, and I didn't think they were good enough to get to the Super Bowl. They're damn close right now. They're, t- they're, they're you know, 60 minutes away, one game away. Um, but the two plays are the two totals. Uh, under in both games, and then I would lean Rams and I would lean Patriots. There you go. That's the smell test for the weekend. Real quickly, launchworkplaces.com. If you're looking for some office space because uh, you're working from home and the dogs are barking or the kids are making too much noise, try Launch Workplaces. You can find out all you need to know about their Bethesda location at launchworkplaces.com or you can call 240-867-14. They're fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks, high-speed internet, complimentary drinks, a cafe, free parking, and 24-7 access. Get more work uh, done today by moving your office to launch workplaces in Bethesda. It really would work out for you if you're looking for something in the Bethesda area, Chevy Chase, Upper Northwest D.C., um, this would be an, a great opportunity. 240-867-14. Tell them I called or visit launchworkplaces.com. They've got other locations as well, and you'll see all those at launchworkplaces.com. All right, let's bring in Andy. Andy's going to join us here. Championship uh, Friday, two games on Sunday. We'll make picks and a score and more to finish up the show, but uh, you wanted to hearken back to the olden times, and where are we going with Uncle Andy today? Well, you know, it's hard to believe, but actually the Redskins used to play an NFC championship game. Yeah, been 27 years since the last one. Yeah, but, you know, there was a nine-year period that they played in four of them, yeah. which is, you know, I mean, remarkable. And um, they, you know, won three Super Bowls during that period of time. And they played in 1988 against the Minnesota Vikings. Now, that was a strike year. And they had played the Vikings twice before in previous two years. 1986, they had beaten them in overtime. Remember Gary Clark? Regular, se- regular season, yeah. Yeah, right. And then the last game of the regular season in 1987, when they won in overtime, to uh, you know they were in the playoffs, but I think it helped their seeding, and they went and they played the Chicago Bears. Well, did but that Viking game was the game where Doug Williams came back in and took over the starting role. Yeah, exactly. He uh, he cemented it for good because Ian Trader had been back and forth either through injury or for poor play. And they wound up beating the Bears after coming from behind 14-0. As you remember, Daryl Green returned the punt, 
and tore rip cartilage on that play. There was some question whether he would play against the Vikings. He was talked into playing by Richie Pettibone, taking a shot, this, that, and the other. So he played. But here's the backstory for this game, which is interesting. Uh, At that time, CBS was doing the NFC. And when it came to the championship game, the pregame crew, which was Brent Musburger, Irv Cross, and I believe Phyllis George wasn't doing it anymore. It was Jane Kennedy and Jimmy the Greek Snyder. So they come into town for this game on a Friday. And in those days, if you were a big deal, you had lunch at Duke Zebert's. So the CBS crew goes to Duke Zebert's. <laughs> well, this happened to be the 20th anniversary of Martin Luther King's yeah, death. Jimmy the Greek. And, yep, and so uh, NBC4 sent a camera crew over to Duke Zebert's to talk to people about what Martin Luther King meant 20 years Wh- Which channel did it, Andy? Which local channel? Channel 4. It was Channel 4 locally? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so the reporter's walking around. And go, oh, there's Jimmy the Greek. Let's talk to him about Martin Luther King. Well, at that point, Jimmy'd had a few. And he segged into this weird talk about how blacks were bred with high thigh bones right. to become great athletes. And then uh, there was a question about whether a black could become a coach in the NFL yet, there'd yet to be a black coach. And he said, oh, they got all the playing jobs. Now they want the coaching jobs too. <laughs> and it was just a, a, a complete disaster. Ended his career. Um, well, so Channel 4 runs it on a Friday night. This becomes, and this is before social media, but it's big news by Saturday. And CBS has got a problem on their hands because Sunday's coming and Jimmy the Greek is supposed to be on TV. So Saturday night they make the decision that they're going to fire Jimmy the Greek. And Brent Musburger opens the pregame show from the field at RFK Stadium saying, you know, CBS can't tolerate these kind of comments. Jimmy had to go. Hours later, Doug Williams emerges as the first African-American quarterback to take a team to a Super Bowl, though his stats in that game were not very good. He didn't have a great game. Uh, They did not really produce a lot of touchdowns. Ali Hashishik missed a couple of field goals. He wound up throwing a seven-yard touchdown pass to Gary Clark with about five minutes to go. Vikings drive the field. Wade Wilson is the quarterback. Takes him down to about the four-yard line, less than a minute to play. Throws a pass at the goal line. Knocked away by – well, actually, Darren Nelson dropped it. If you Look at the different angles. Yeah, Daryl Green gets the credit for knocking it away, but really, Darren Nelson dropped it. And the Redskins survive with Joe Gibbs on his knees in prayer which is like the only time he ever did that during his career. And uh, the Redskins advance to the Super Bowl, where, of course, they beat the, uh, the, the uh, Denver Broncos. Now, later that day was the Ernest Biner fumble. Remember that, too? Yeah, of course. That, that Biner, Biner fumbled, and that would have, Marty Schottenheimer would have been coaching the Browns in the Super Bowl against the Redskins, but Biner fumbled, and it was the Broncos that won. And, uh, you know, I've often wondered, because that Browns defense was a lot better. And might that have been a, a close Super Bowl if the Browns had managed to play the Redskins? I would game? have loved to have seen that Browns team that lost back-to-back, you know, years to Denver, yeah. you know, on the drive and the fumble with Bernie Kosar, who I always thought was a really good quarterback and a, and a clutch quarterback too. I would have loved to have seen one of those Browns teams make the Super Bowl. Um, 
But, you know, the the thing about that Minnesota NFC Championship game, so it ended the Greek's career, Jimmy the yep. Greek's career. Um, the, it was really the, the, the beginning of Joe Gibbs turning to, Tim, to, turning to Timmy Smith because yes. Timmy Smith had been a, a, a backup to George Rogers, you know, that, that season. And Gibbs always, you know, in the postseason had, uh, you know, always had something up his sleeve. You know, in terms yeah. of a player, you know, it was Ricky Irvin sort of in '91. I mean, Irvin's ended up getting you know a significant number of carries in that in the in the seat cushion game against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But uh, Timmy Smith in that Chicago game had the most carries he had had in a game, 16 carries, I think 70 yards, somewhere around there. And then he became a feature back more so than George Rogers in the Minnesota game, the, mm-hmm. uh, the NFC Championship game. And we had barely heard of Timmy Smith, really, before the postseason started. He had had opportunities, but he was a backup. And yep. Gibbs turned him into the featured back. And then, you know, the rest is history in terms of what he did in the Super Bowl and the win over Denver, you know, his 204 yards uh, on 22 carries still stands today, I think, as the Super yeah, Bowl mean, record. It's amazing because, yeah, it's a Super Bowl record. And the other two great rushing performances where you had Marcus Allen and John Riggins, they were the MVPs. But with what Doug Williams did in that second quarter, there was just no way you could give him the MVP. Oh, yeah. But, no, yeah. 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 But, but it, well, yeah, in any other Super Bowl, Timmy Smith would have been yeah. – the, yeah. the MVP, but put the, the the Redskins got the lead by Doug Williams throwing you know touchdown passes uh, like it was you know uh, uh, it, like it was a video game in the second quarter in the thirty five point second quarter. Yeah. Here, here's something else. If you look closely at that Super Bowl, they did fall behind ten nothing, and on the play that uh, Doug Williams hurt his knee, it, it looks like he fumbles on the play. Yeah, right. You know, they Ball just laying there on the ground. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and and now with instant replay. Denver gets the ball, 17 nothing. you know, who knows? But yeah. it didn't happen that way. All right. Um, Want to finish up with a little uh, score and more predictions for the championship score games? More. All right, let's, yes. let's do it. Time to settle the score. It's score and more. All right, I um, Andy, in my smell test, I didn't have an actual pick of either game uh, with the point mm-hmm. spread. Uh, I, played, uh, I played both unders because the – public really likes the overs in both of these games even with the weather in Kansas City which isn't supposed to be as cold as they had predicted earlier uh in the week but let's take the NFC championship game first give me a final score with a footnote I just think that the older Sean beats the younger Sean here and I think it's a a more of a low scoring game than might might be expected I'm gonna say that New Orleans is gonna win this game 17 to 10 and wow. I think the Saints yes I, I I really do and I think the Saints are going to take advantage of another gutsy play and whether it's a, a fake field goal or whether it's an onside kick the onside kicks are just about impossible these days but you saw how, what a difference the uh, fake punt made last week so I think there's going to be a trick play that's going to do it the old older Sean beats the younger Sean 17 to 10 all right well if if the final score of the Rams Saints game is 17 to 10 Aaron that would be under wouldn't it <laughs> just by a little bit you know you can yeah. move you can move those props I wonder yes, what I odds get. you can get for uh, under I'd love 30. it I, I'd love it I don't even think they'll have an under 30 for this game 
Um, yeah. 17 to 10 at 27 total points in the NFC title game. If you hit that, that is the all-timer because I don't think anybody is predicting a low, low-scoring game like that one. I've got the Rams winning the game 27 to 26. Huh. Uh, I like the Rams, and I like their chances to win. I need it to stay under 56.5, which is why I've got it at 27-26. Right. And Will Lutz, the, the New Orleans kicker that missed the kick that mm-hmm. would have given me the, uh, the the cover a week ago, he misses a 50-yarder on the game's final play. The Rams win it on a missed field goal at the end, and they get they head on with Sean McVay and Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and company to the Super Bowl in Atlanta. All right, let's go to the AFC game. Uh, Arrowhead. You know, Andy, did you know before last week that the Chiefs had never hosted an AFC championship game? Uh, Yes, because I I knew that when they went to the Super Bowl, they had beaten the Raiders, I believe. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, beaten the Raiders in Oakland. And uh, the Raiders were just, you know, a great team in those days. They just... You know, the Raiders were, were a team in those days that always came up short. It wasn't until the, the 76 team that uh, that won. And the reason they won is the Steelers, who may have had their best defense ever, just had too many injuries on offense. I think they lost Franco and Rocky Flyer that year. But they were they were the perennial bridesmaid in those days, the, old, the team that would always have the great regular season and somehow couldn't get it done in the playoffs. So, yes, I did know that. Um, the... Uh... Yeah, I, I, that's crazy because it's it's been such a, you know, at times it's been a franchise that has been down, but it's always been one of those franchises that you knew had that passionate fan base, you know, yeah, that yeah. loyal fan base that wasn't going anywhere, that really wanted their team to be good, um, and they've had so many home losses. They finally broke that streak last week. All right, what's your prediction for the game with a footnote? Uh, I think that this this reminds me of the, the 1969 Boston Celtics where they were not supposed to beat the Lakers. Remember that uh, Jack Ken Cook had the balloons that were supposed to go up in the, in, from right. the ceiling when the Lakers won the championship. And, you know, a lot of people think they're on their last legs and Brady's 41 and, you know, why are they still around? <laughs> Weren't they supposed to disappear a few years ago? So I think the Patriots are going to find a way to win the game, though I do think this one is going to be high scoring. So I say the Patriots win 35-31 despite the weather. All right, I've got the Patriots winning thirty to twenty-four. That keeps it under Aaron, uh, under the fifty-five and a half. In overtime, on the opening possession of overtime, Brady drives him 70, uh, 75 yards, uh, throws a touchdown pass to James White for the game winner at Arrowhead. The Patriots off to the Super Bowl to face the Rams in a rematch of their first. Super Bowl during the Brady Belichick era. 30 to 24 Patriots in overtime and then I've got the Rams uh 27 to 26. You've got the Saints 17 yep. to 10 and then 35-31 Patriots over the Chiefs. So you've got Breeze Brady and I've got Sean McVay against Brady in the Super Bowl in Atlanta. What a shock and I got two old quarterbacks yep. going at it. And and I think if you look at the Saints recently, their offense it hasn't been that great. There, there's something missing there. The yeah, I agree. That pummeled the Redskins earlier in the season. That's that's not clicking like that. But they're finding ways to win games. All right. Thanks. I'll talk to you next week. Okay. All right. Appreciate it, uh, Andy Poland. Everybody. Seventeen to ten.
Aaron, Andy predicted. <laughs> that would be so amazing. I really do want to see if anyone, if you can scroll down, find under 30 or the lowest you can get. I want to know I'll, what I'll sort of odds. I'll find that here. Hold yeah. on. I'll, I'll find what that prop. While, while you look for that, yeah. I wanted to propose a question to you because okay. I was thinking about this earlier. CBS has the game. If you're CBS, what's the game you want? Oh, you mean the Super Bowl game? Yeah. I don't think they can lose. Right. That's the thing. I don't I, think they can I, I, lose. Yeah, I don't think that there's a, a – I think probably – see, I don't know. Mahomes may be the biggest draw left in yeah, the field. It, is it the Patriots or is it Mahomes? I think it might be Mahomes. I think it might be Mahomes, actually. And then is it is it Breeze or is it it's Sean Breeze. McVay? It's, it's the Saints. So it's so the Saints more than the Rams, I think, but – you know, in, in the Super Bowl, this doesn't really necessarily play in. I don't think it does. I could be wrong. But, you know, the LA is the number two market in the country. You know, so I, I guess CBS would probably prefer LA against, you know, the Patriots or Kansas City. That, I, that's my guess. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't think they lose regardless. I think the, whatever the Super Bowl matchup is going to be, especially if these are two good games, it's going to be really hyped. Yeah. You know, we're not getting. We, there's no Cinderella here, um, in in the in these playoffs. And there's fascinating storylines, no matter which way you go. Whether it's Breeze versus Brady, whether it's Breeze versus Mahomes, whether it's Belichick versus Sean McVay, like there's really good storylines in every possibility. Exactly. Um, all right, I've got some totals for you in the Rams game. All right, you ready? Uh, oh, I've just got team totals. I've got total points, like. Uh, the the lowest they have, the lowest you can play under is twenty six and a half <laughs> on a team, on one of the two teams. That'll change. There will be more prop bets come Sunday. Right. Um, this is just what's appearing on on one of my sites right now. Um, I'm looking forward to these two games. You know, it's it's the final Sunday of more than one game. Uh, it'll be um, they're two good games. I I I don't. Here's what I hope we don't see. I'm I'm it would be exciting if you ended up having, you know, 48-45 in the NFC Championship game followed by, you know, 42 to 37. I don't really want to see that. I don't know what why I'm so resistant to that kind of football. I love college football cuz you get a little bit of everything. I don't want the NFL to end up becoming this league where you've got, you know, over under totals in the 70s and 4845 is commonplace. I like 4845, you know, once every 2 or 3 weeks. Now you're sounding like Tom when he was talking about basketball. I know I am, but I like defensive football. I've always liked defenses and I think they're at a disadvantage right now, rules-wise and otherwise. And and I like when it's a little bit more even, Stephen. Um I I I think we. I think. I, I look. I gave out two unders. So, um, we, you know, I think. I think two winners could have close to thirty, um, but I don't think anybody's going over forty in these two games. You know, you we the second time around, you figure stuff out defensively, and I, the Saints have become a better defensive team when uh, since they played the Rams. I think the Rams played their best defensive game of the year last week. I think the Chiefs played one of their best defensive games of the season last week against Indianapolis. All right, thanks to Scott and Andy. Aaron did a great job uh, all week long. Enjoy the games on Sunday. We're back on Monday.